I want you to turn your Bible tonight, if you've been with us, Psalm chapter 46. <clears throat> Pastor's already said that he gave a little spoiler alert on that, Psalm 46. I'd really love to preach on that chapter, but I'm just using it as a launching pad uh, to get to the truths that the Lord has put on my heart uh, for these days. And if God don't change my mind, this is where we're going to be all week. How many of you enjoying the fact that He will meet you there? Amen. I want you to look tonight, Psalm 46, and I do appreciate all of you coming I know we got, I think, maybe three or more pastors here. Men, we thank you for coming. And we know, uh, counting pastor here, maybe four or more. And we thank you for coming. We know you're busy. And so good to have my wife with me tonight. I appreciate her when she can be with me in meetings. I just brought her off the road in three revivals in two weeks in Georgia. And I about ran her to death. Amen. But she's hung with me for two million miles, and I thank the Lord for my precious wife. Y'all found your places in Psalm chapter 46. I'm just catching verse number 1, and then we're going to Matthew chapter number 6, Psalms 46, and also Matthew in chapter number 6. Look what the Bible says in verse number 1, Psalm chapter 46. The Bible said, God is our refuge. That means He's our shelter from the rain, the shelter from the storm. He's a shelter from danger. He's a shelter from falsehood. Aren't you glad that God is our refuge? He's not only our refuge, but He's our strength. That means He's our security. He's our majesty. He's our praise. And He is our power. I'd love to preach on that. But notice where we're going in verse number 1. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. A very present help in trouble. Father, we thank you tonight. Our hearts have just been overwhelmed by these young people singing and playing all these instruments. Counting the teacher, I believe there were seven on the platform tonight. And how we thank you for what you've done in the music department here at this church. Now Lord, tonight we are thankful for the visitors that have come from other places. And we're thankful tonight for the faithful members here. And Lord, most of all, we thank You for Your presence. And Lord, we sure do need You tonight because here we know without You we can do nothing. Pull our attention in, Lord, where You want it to be. And God, all that's accomplished, we'll thank You for it. In Jesus Christ's name, I pray. Amen. If you've been with us, I've introduced Psalm 46 as one of the 11 psalms that was written to the sons of Korah. If you know the story of Korah, he was a rebel. He rose up against Moses and against God. And it's the only place in the Bible, read it when you get home, number 16, that the earth opened her mouth 
and swallowed up Korah and all those rebels. Well, he had some boys. Brother Tim, these boys made a hard decision. They chose to go with God. They chose to go with the man of God. And I want to say tonight, it's not always easy to make the right choice. And a lot of you here in this building know it's not always easy to go against your family when your family is revolting against God. Well, that's what these boys did. There's 11 Psalms. I'd be happy to email those Psalms to you. So when you read those Psalms, you can see how that God ministered to these boys that watched their parents go into hell alive. My, that's never happened before. It's never going to happen again. Well, in this text, God is giving them some consolation. And we've been majoring on that last part of verse number 1 where the Bible says that God is a very present help in trouble. Studying that phrase, we have learned this. We have learned that that simply means He will meet you there. I'm glad He has been my God in the past. Ho, oh, He was back yonder. I can look in my rear view mirror. I see Him back yonder. And you know, He'll be out there in my future. Isn't that good news? But I got even better news than that. He's with me right now. A present tense. He's a present help. And He will meet you there. Using that as a springboard, we began in Mark chapter 5 about the Gadarean maniac who had nearly 7,000 devils living in him. And you know what? The Lord compassed sea and land for that one old naked boy that was bleeding from stone cuts and nobody wanted him and everybody was afraid of him. But I'm glad when you come to Christ for pardon, thank God He will meet you there. The Lord met that boy and saved his life. And I believe I can even show you before the story was over, He's a-preaching the gospel. Amen. Isn't it amazing what God can do? Then we saw in this matter, Brother Jake, of propagation. Jesus said, as long as you're carrying my gospel, as long as you're propagating my truth and my gospel and trying to reach souls, He said, lo, I'm with you all way, even unto the end of the world. If you'll get busy about winning souls, He'll meet you there. Well, last night it was kind of a tough message, but it was an encouraging message to those that are sincere. Because Joseph found himself, a 17-year-old boy, a slave in the house of Potiphar, chief executioner of Egypt. And you know the story. His wife began a seductive move upon the young man Joseph. But he overcame. And the Bible said he refused. And he came out clean. And you know why? Brother Tim, four times in Genesis 39, it says the Lord was with him. The Lord was with him. 
The Lord was with him. The Lord was with him. If you got your heart right and you'll seek the Lord right in the time of provocation, in the time of temptation, thank God He will meet you there. If you're here tonight with no scars and you've not been scathed by sin, it's not because of your family tree. And it's not because of the church you're a member of. And it's not because how great your pastor is. It's because the Lord was with you. And the Lord met you there. Aren't you thankful for that tonight? Y'all making me want to preach all that over again. But I want to look now in Matthew chapter number 6. I want to give you one verse of Scripture. We'll spend the rest of our evening in Matthew 6 and in verse number 6. Preaching on this subject, He will meet you there. Look in verse 6. Look at this great verse. And if God will help me, I want to give you about eight truths. Don't get nervous. Eight truths out of this one verse of Scripture. Jesus said in Matthew 6 and verse 6, But thou, when thou prayest, not if thou prayest, but when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. I love this verse of Scripture. You know what I see? I believe you're ahead of me. When we enter into a secret place of prayer, into a closet of prayer, and we shut out this whole world, oh, blessed be the name of God. Guess what, folks? He will meet you there. I'm so glad He'll meet you there in a private place of prayer. Before Jesus gives what some call the Lord's Prayer, or what is really technically the model prayer, He gives us an illustration about praying, and He uses a closet of all things. He uses a closet for this illustration. You see, that closet represents a secret place, a place where you pull away from the cares of this world, a place where you get alone with God. A place that is secret. A place where there's no interruptions. And friends, according to this Bible, if you and I will find us a closet, if we'll find us a secret place, if we'll shut out this whole world, I'm telling you, Brother Reed, He will meet you there. Hallelujah. You know, the perverts are known in this hour to use the term closet. They say we're coming out of the closet. I wonder if the reason we've got so many perverts coming out of the closet, maybe it's because so many Christians have failed to go in the closet. Well, I tell you what, friends, we need to get back to the closet and I'm telling you, it'd make a difference in this society. Whoever thought 
that people would fuss about pronouns. Whoever thought that we'd be in such a mess, all this transgender, all this cross-dressing, all this perversion, whoever thought we'd be there, yeah, they're coming out of the closets and they're bold. But I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going in the closet. Because if I can get in that closet, if I can just get in that closet, thank God He will meet me there. You say, you act like that closet is something special. Well, it's kind of like a phone booth to Clark Kent. It's kind of like a can of spinach to Popeye. Whoop, are y'all with me now? It's kind of like a web to a man called Spider-Man. Thank God for that closet. It's also kind of like a burst of anger for a fellow who becomes the Hulk. Amen. Well, I'm going to tell you something, friends. This world is against us. And this world hates God. And this world hates us. We're really mightily outnumbered in this world. But if we'll just get in that closet, I said if we'll just get in that closet, He will meet you there. Y'all ready to look at verse number 6 a little closer? Number 1 in verse 6, if you're looking at it, look at these words, Thou... Thou, thy, thou, thy, 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 and thee. Sounds personal to me. You see, God is interested in you personally. You know, we as humans look at things in a big picture of many people and many faces, but I'm glad God looks at us personally. And I'm glad that God cares about us personally. You know, the Bible says in 1 Peter 5, 7, casting all your care upon Him, for He careth for you. It didn't say He careth for y'all. He does care for y'all. But the Bible said He careth for you. That's personal. And you know, sometimes as a believer, it's easier for us to have faith that God will help our brother more than we think God would help us. You see, I could easily look back at friends in this room and say, yes, I know God cares for Brother Tim Gentry. Oh yes, I know God cares for Brother Jake Dalton. I know God cares for Pastor Mickey and Pastor Jimmy, and I could call everybody's name We don't seem to have a problem believing God cares for others. But somehow we have a problem believing God cares about us. I know God cares about those I just mentioned. And God cares about everybody here. But I'm glad when I get in that closet, it's just me and Him. And thank God He cares. He cares about me. He cares about you personally. Do you remember in school when you learned what compound words are? Compound words are words in our English language where two words are put together and they make one word. 1 Peter 5, 7 has a compound word. The compound word is upon. K 
casting all your care upon. That's a compound word. It's two words stuck together. It's a Bible word. It's a compound word. It's an inspired word. Casting all your care upon. Could I break it apart a minute so you could get a blessing? Casting all your care up on. Did you get that? Casting all your care up on Him for He careth for you. God cares about you. You say, preacher, I feel far from God. Get back in the closet. Get back in the closet of prayer. And guess what? He will meet you there. It's not only personal, but in verse number 6, it's purposeful, on purpose. Notice how it's worded. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet. You see, that's your decision. That's your move. That's your choice. I don't know much about prayer. I've been making an attempt at it for a long time. But I do know this 100% about a prayer life. It will not fall in your lap. And it will not come easy to be consistent, to be faithful, In your prayer life and mine, it will be an ongoing battle for the rest of your life. You see, when I met the Lord this morning before daylight, that was a conscience choice. That was a conscience decision. The bed felt mighty good. It sure would have been nice to just roll over and sleep another hour or two. But you see, I had to make a choice this morning. I had to make a choice. Getting quiet, isn't it? Amen. I had to make a choice. Am I going to have God to meet with me? Is He going to meet with me? He won't meet with me snoring under the covers. So I've got to get out of this bed. I've got to go find me a secret place. I've got to find me a closet. And thank God He will meet you there. It's not easy. If you're a new convert, this thing of being consistent and faithful in prayer, the devil will tell you everything under the sun that you should be doing, that you could be doing, that you need to be doing. Well, friends, if it means setting the clock early, that's what you better do. I have found by personal experience my greatest times alone with God are not in the noon, although I meet with Him in noon, Not in the evening, although I meet with Him in the evening. I can meet with Him and He can meet with me anytime. But friend, I have found by experience, my greatest time with the Lord is early in the morning. That's when the house is quiet. When our boys were small, that's when they were sleeping. And that's when Juanita was sleeping. I've got to find God. I've got to have God to help me. I've got to have God to meet with me. Let me give you a verse. Don't turn. Psalm 63, 1. Oh God, Thou art my God. Early will I seek Thee. My soul thirsteth for Thee. My flesh longeth for Thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. You know what I'm seeing all over the country? 
in churches that use the right Bible in churches that have the right doctrine, in churches that have the right standard, I'm finding such a lack of the hunger and thirst for God Almighty. Friends, we're in a mess. People's not hungry. People's not thirsty. And I'm going to tell you why we're not hungry. And I'm going to tell you why we're not thirsty. It's because we're already full. We're full of the wrong thing. We're full of the world. We're full of television. We're full of movies. We're full of wicked music. We're full of social media. And that's why we're not hungry. Because we're already full. You don't have to be a great cook, ma'am, to feed a hungry man. You don't have to have some outstanding four-course meal for a hungry man. A hungry man be happy with a bowl of pinto beans. Hallelujah. I've come in from digging fence posts. As a boy, you see, someone asked me about my degrees the other day. I said I got my first degree when I was nine. At nine, yeah, I had a Ph.D. at nine. Post hole digger, amen. <laughs> well, I remember digging post holes. I feel like I've dug enough post holes. I could have dug my way to China. Well, come in after digging post holes and, and stretching barbed wire, you're hungry. Well, Mama might not have had filet mignon. She may not have had a ribeye steak. She may not have had ribs or some fantastic meal that the world would observe. But she might have had a big old pot of pinto beans. And she done baked a big old pone of cornbread. Some of you folks know what a pone is. Don't look at me like that. We're not in New York. Say amen. A pone of cornbread and maybe some fat back. But I tell you what, it's not hard to feed a hungry man. The reason, don't blame it on your preacher. I hear this, well, we're not getting fed. No, your problems, you're not hungry. If you was hungry, you wouldn't be hard to be fed. Whoop, hallelujah. Glory to His name. Now, I'm not a great preacher. I consider myself a pinto bean, cornbread, fatback kind of preacher. That's the kind of meals I put out. But that don't make me sad because if people's hungry they'll take that. Whoop! Hallelujah! Are you hungry for God? Your hunger for God is going to have to overpower your desire to stay under those covers. Your hunger for God is going to have to overpower your desire to do the other things in the world that you think you should be doing and think that you could be doing there's always something to do. We're in such busy times. But can I say to us here tonight, it's going to be a choice. It's going to be our choice. It's going to be on purpose if we develop a prayer life. You see, my grandparents on my dad's side, they've been in heaven since I was a little boy. I grew up basically without grandparents on my dad's side. I was just a little fella but they still have the testimony all these years later that they were mighty champions of prayer. People that believed in prayer. People would come visit my grandmother Amanda. They tell me the stories. When they were sick, when they were afflicted, when they had a financial problem, when they had a family problem, they would just come to my grandma and ask her to pray. 
They said that she could move the hand of God. See how quiet it's got just me talking like that. Where are the saints of this generation that can move the hand of God? If you're going to have a prayer life, it'll have to be purposeful. You're going to have to enter in. You're not going to fall in. The prayer closet's not going to fall around you. You're going to have to enter in by your own accord. Say amen. Number three, y'all still with me, aren't you? The Bible said it was personal. The Bible says it was purposeful, on purpose. But look on in verse number six. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet. Thy closet. That speaks of privacy. That speaks of shutting everything out. One reason some of you can't pray, you can't turn off the TV long enough. The reason some of you can't pray, you can't shut down Facebook long enough. The reason some of you can't pray, young people, you can't shut down TikTok long enough. Well, brother, that entering into the closet, this thing of privacy, that means you've got to shut out everything and shut out everybody. And it's going to cost you. You'll have to get up early. You'll have to stay up late. You'll have to figure your own path out. But you cannot be an effective prayer warrior for God if you don't learn to shut everything out. Pastor Tim Gentry and I, we share a mentor who's in heaven tonight. His name, Sammy Allen. And here's one of his quotes. He, says, he said to me, Brother Dunn, he called me Dunn, D-O-N-E, Dunn. Boy, I felt done when he got done with me. He'd say, Brother Dunn, he would do his necktie like that. He'd say, Brother Dunn, he said, one of the keys to the Christian life. He said, do you want to know one of the great keys to the Christian life? I said, please, please tell me, preacher. He said, be sure in the morning that you talk to Him before you talk to anyone else. Be sure you talk to Him before you talk to anybody else. And he said, Brother Don, the other side of that key is this, Jake. Be sure you not only talk to Him before you talk to anyone else, but talk to Him more than you talk to anyone else. Is there somebody you've been talking to more than you've been talking to God? Can that person you've been talking to more than you've been talking to God, can they really help you? Can they really empower you? Can they really deliver you? Hey, I don't mind talking. I don't mind talking to the saints of God. I'm not a big talker, but I do my big talking in the morning. And I'm talking to my God. I'm entering into that closet. I'm going to shut that door. You know, it's like, it's like a portal. You shut out everything. And it's just you and God. Do you like how that's worded? He says, But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet. And when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy Father, which is in secret. And thy Father, which seeth in secret, shall reward thee openly. Imagine tonight. Imagine a closet. I'm going in this closet. I'm inside the closet. I have shut the door. Nobody's in there but me. Nobody but me. And I begin to pray, I'm hungry, I'm thirsty, I'm seeking God.
with all my heart. And the Bible says that he which seeth thee in secret. Think about it. When you get alone with God, he's a looking at you. Woo! I said he sees you in secret. My wife can't see me in there. My family can't see me in there. My friends can't see me in there. But the eyes of the Lord are in there. And He sees me there. He meets me there. Thank God for that portal. Someone said, I just need to get away from everything. Well, just go in the closet. That's a good place to get away from the cares and the burdens and the troubles and the perplexities of life. How many of you are thankful we have a closet? We have a secret place. Hey, the perverts say they're coming out of the closet. You just wait till the saints come out of the closet. You're going to see this world shake. Praise God when the saints come out of the closet unashamed, praising God, testifying to a lost world. That's what we need to do. It's a portal. Number five, it's a petition. In verse number six, it says, Pray to thy Father, which is in secret. That word pray there literally means, it means to petition. You ladies will love this. The first time the idea of a petition is mentioned in the Bible. Ladies, guess who it was with? It was with a godly woman by the name of Hannah. Hannah wanted a child. And she prayed, Jake, but she had no child. Her adversary had many children, but she could have no children. And Brother Reed, she prayed and prayed. Then one day Hannah got up, dizzy-headed, kind of sick on her stomach, something done happened, say amen. And Hannah's going to have a baby. About nine months later, she gives birth to a healthy, bouncing baby boy, and she named him Samuel. Samuel became one of the greatest prophets of the Old Testament. You know, God said something about Samuel that He never said, Sean, about nobody else. He said not one of His words, Brother Mickey, not one of His words ever fell to the ground. What a prophet. What a man of God He was. But He had a godly mama. Hallelujah, we need some godly mamas. We're not raising Samuels because we don't have godly mamas. And H.C., you know what the Bible says? That when she gave birth to that baby, the Bible says, I'm going to read it to you. In 1 Samuel 1.27, don't turn. For this child, can't you see you're holding it? For this child I prayed. For this child I prayed. And the Lord hath given me my petition, which I ask of him. First time the concept of petition is in the Bible is with Hannah back there with Eli and all that crowd. Well, I'm telling you, friends, we all have a mental concept of what a petition is. How many of you ever signed a petition? Raise your hand. That's nothing bad. I've signed a bunch of them. Why do you sign a petition anyway? 
Well, you look at the date, see that it's current. Then you look at that little paragraph. And if that paragraph resonates with you, and if you believe in that little paragraph, and you believe it so much, you're willing to sign your name to it. Well, that's a petition. You know, that's where we're missing it in our prayer lives. We pray, and three seconds after we say it, we don't even know what we said. It's become no more than a vain repetition. I say, let's get us a petition. Oh, thank God, I was hoping I had some paper up here. Thank God, whosoever this is, just tell Reed, he'll buy you another one. Amen. <laughs> petition of prayer. And then here's the paragraph, and I'm going to sign my name to it. Now, you might think that's foolish. You might think that's foolish. But I'm telling you that it's still a biblical truth to petition God. Now, please don't laugh at me tonight, but I've got all kind of prayer petitions made up. I sure do. I have a date on it. Always put a date on it because I want to know when I made this petition. And then whatever my request is, it's right here, Brother Tim. And then at the bottom of that request, I believed it so much that I signed my name to it. Some of you has been praying. You've just about give up. You think there is no hope. Could I challenge you to follow the pattern of Hannah and make you a petition? Sign your name to it and say, by the grace of God, I'm not going to be distracted. I'm not going to be detoured. I'm going to stay with this petition until God brings it to pass. Not if, when. Not if, when can someone say amen. Don't you give up. No time to give up. It's like a petition. Let me give you a couple of verses while I catch my breath. 1 John 5, 14, 15. And this is the confidence that we have in Him. Do you have confidence in Him? Have you let Satan steal from you your confidence in Him? I preach to a lot of people. They go to church every time. But they done lost confidence in God. They just go through the motions. But John said, and this is the confidence. Whew, I got confidence tonight in Him that if we ask anything, anything according to His will, He heareth us. That's powerful, isn't it? If I'm praying in His will, He'll show up. Thank God He'll meet me there. And He'll hear me. But verse 15 puts the icing on the cake. And if we know that He hear us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions. The petitions. John was like me. He had more than one. I've got more than one. And I'm not ashamed of it. And I just love it when God grants my petition. And I can go back to that petition, put a check mark on it, and say everything is good. Everything is clear. 
and everything is done. We need to teach our children the worth of prayer. That's right. Did you know little children can get their prayers answered? Did you know several years ago, and I won't call names for embarrassment, but a couple of the older young people in the church now, they were little bitty fellas then, and they joined in prayer for Brother Don. I called them YPF, my youth prayer force. Now they're getting taller and they're getting bigger. Their parents and their pastor and their Sunday school teachers taught them the importance and the value of prayer. Amen. You say, preacher, do we really need to teach the kids to pray? Now this may seem like a tiny thing, but me and my oldest granddaughter just the other day were going to a place of business. Me and her don't go out much together, just us two. It's usually the whole bunch. But she was able to go with Papa. And Brother Mickey, where we were going, I was picking up some clothes uh, that I had dropped off. And I said, Addison, you know Papa's knee's hurting real bad. And I can't walk far. And I said, where we're going, there's usually cars parked a hundred yards in both directions. And I said, Addison, do you believe God could open up Papa a parking place? Because Papa's knees hurt. He's not lazy, but his knees hurt. And she looked up and said, Papa... I believe he'll do it. I said, Addison, she's seven. I said, Addison, if you really believe that God will open a parking space for Papa, that Papa don't have to walk far, why don't you lead us in prayer? She said, okay, Papa. Seven-year-old Addison. She says, Lord Jesus Christ, thank you for this good day I've been able to spend with Papa. Now, Papa's knee's hurting, Lord. And he said there's a bunch of cars going to be in our way when we get to where we're going. So Lord, I'm asking you, Jesus, to open up a parking space for Papa. And when we got to that highway, I said, See, Addison, all them cars, her mouth flew open. I'm talking about a hundred yards of cars, Main Street, Mount Airy. I'm talking, if you've ever been to Main Street, Mayberry, you know how cars, but there's a little place there I get some clothes worked on. And Brother Tim, when I showed her all them cars, I looked at her, I said, Now, do you believe God's going to do it? She said, Papa, God's going to do it. I said, Okay. Cars everywhere. Right when we got in front of that place of business, a car pulled out. Addison said, Look, Papa, God did it for us. Well, she believes that. I believe that too. And if you think that's good luck or coincidence, I can't help you no way. God can give you a parking space if you got a hurt knee. God can do anything. Let's don't be afraid to ask Him and don't be afraid to teach your children and your grandchildren to ask Him. It's a petition. Do you see how it's worded? Oh, I love this. It's parental. Do you see that in verse 6? It's parental. The Bible says, But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet. And when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy what? Father. <laughs> Woo! Boy, I'm about to get excited. I have a good, good father. I said, pray, Brother Jimmy, pray to thy father. 
which is in secret, and thy Father, says it twice, which seeth in secret, shall reward thee openly. I got a good Father. I got a good Father. Can I give you some verses on prayer that associate with a Father? Matthew 7, 7 through 11. Jesus said, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth. He that seeketh findeth. To him that knocketh it shall be opened. Listen to this. Or what man is there of you? Whom if his son asks bread? Will he give him a serpent? Or if he asks a fish, will he give him a stone? Jesus said, If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much shall your what? Father. <laughs> Say that with me again. Father. Boy, that's got a ring to it. One more time. Father. How much more shall your Father, which is in heaven, what will He do, Brother Tim? He'll give good things to them that ask Him. You know, God hadn't gave me everything I ever asked because sometimes I'm asking amiss. Amen. You know, a little that, that little sweet girl comes in with that doll every night. Where's she at? She's in the nursery. She'll come out and show me her doll after a while. Now, if that little sweet girl asks her mom and dad, I'd love to have a, I would love to have a Glock 45 for Christmas. Come on, that wouldn't be too wise. Give a little bitty girl a Glock 45. Well, you see, the parents know that that's not the best thing for her. But you see, God also knows some things we ask for would hurt us too. Aren't you glad He knows what's best? But He's never, ever, Sean, never has He withheld any good thing from me. I've never done without. Come on now, friends, I'm telling you. Hallelujah. I could tell you stories after stories about my good Father. My good Father. Oh, aren't you glad it's parental? i got to move. I know y'all are glad, but I'm on number seven now. <laughs> There's a prize. There's a prize in verse six. You say, preacher? There's a prize? Look at it. The Bible said, Thy Father which seeth in secret, which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee. That's the answer. That's the answer. You see, the request was in private. Do you get that? Yeah. The request is in private, but the prize is in public. God does it for the whole world to see. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I asked Him in private. Nobody heard me but Him. But then He done it in public. For everyone to see. But look at this last one. It's not only a prize, but it's publicly. The Bible said He'll reward them openly. Hallelujah. You know, I love preaching like this tonight. I want to challenge. I want to help people. I want to see God birth some prayer champions. I want to see God get our churches back to praying again. You'd be amazed what would happen 
if the majority of the ones here tonight would get back to the closet and then God would start doing things in public. Well, my little preaching this week is He will meet you there. But I believe as I'm preaching tonight, some of you are convicted deeply because you have drifted so far from an effective prayer life. Has God been speaking to you while I'm preaching? Has it been a while since you know that God answered a prayer for you? Get your heart clean. Get your heart right. Get your confidence back in God. And watch God start answering prayers for you again.